Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. There's a lot of hope in my heart that this year God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing in us. He's doing a new thing even in our society and culture as we come out of uh, what's been uh, a turbulent few years and we move into the new thing that he is doing. And I wonder if you sense that. Uh, I wonder if you've been experiencing that. I wonder if you've, as you've brought yourself before the Lord, he started to bring uh, newness uh, to you or give you new thoughts or bring you back to some things that maybe he's has been speaking to you about in previous eras. And he's saying, I want to renew you into the things that I have for you. Uh, I'm not done with you yet. You haven't arrived yet. There's more for you as you are renewed and as you step into the mission of God. I wonder if you've downloaded the wallpaper for your computer or if you've downloaded uh, the image for your phone. I've had a couple of text messages from people and it's warmed my heart to see that, you know, you've put, you know for a few, you've put that kind of close and you've put it uh, into, uh, into a place where you can see it. And I encourage you, if you haven't done that, you can go to clovey.com.au forward slash renew. You can download that and just have it uh, there so you can see it uh, so that you can be reminded of what our theme is for the year. Our theme is renew, and we're invited to step into the mission of God. And that really begins as we pray. Uh, as followers of Jesus, as God's people, uh, the most important foundation piece uh, in our, our lives and as a church uh, is staying close to God. It is being people of faith. It is cultivating a deep and intimate relationship with God and listening and attending to the things that he has for us. I'm reminded of a story that uh, I've shared uh, before and one that has really impacted my life and it was uh, 1940 when some students from Wheaton College went over to the UK and they went and they visited uh, the revivalist John Wesley's house. Uh, in 1700s, John Wesley was involved in these revival movements and real man of faith and and uh, they went to his house, and these students from this uh, Wheaton University, Wheaton Bible College, they saw, when they went up to his bedroom, they saw these two worn-out patches near his bed, and they thought, oh, this is where he prayed. He must have spent a lot of time praying because these patches are worn out you know, by his bed. And anyway, they got a tour of the rest of the house, and then the students piled back into the bus. The, the professor did the right thing and did their head count, and they were one short. Now this one short, and they went, and the professor went out, and he started to look for where this student was. He went up into Wesley's bedroom, and he found this student on his knees in that same place where those worn-out patches were, and he was praying, "Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Would you do it again through me?" The professor tapped him on the shoulder, and he said, "Come on, mate. Everyone's waiting. Let's go." And up got Billy Graham, and went back to the bus the rest of his students that he was learning with probably were annoyed at him because the bus was late to go to the next place. But didn't God do it again through Billy Graham? A renewal in his life and then stepping into the mission of God into literally the world. Uh, Billy Graham's team would say that through his ministry, which was media and print and, and spoken word, there was a reach of about 2.2 billion people, an estimated over 3 million people made a decision to follow Jesus through the ministry of Billy Graham. Quite personal in our family because my father was at the 1959 crusade here in Adelaide and made a personal decision to follow Jesus. He grew up in the church, but it was that day 
it was made real for him. And if we're honest, God did it again through the life of Billy Graham. And it began with a posture of prayer. And the reading that you'll do around Billy Graham is you'll know he was a man of prayer. Uh, he was a man of the word. And it doesn't surprise me at all that when he passed away, there wasn't even any hint of scandal because he was pure before God. And as we step into the mission of God, really uh, it begins with people who pray, regularly engaging in the practice of prayer and worship and cultivating this intimate relationship with Jesus. So as you see uh, on the missional practices framework, or if you've downloaded the wallpaper, you'll see the first practice is prayer. As we step into the mission of God to be a people of prayer and worship, and that will be our focus today. Uh, spiritual formation writer and, uh, and, uh, and, and worker Richard Foster, he says this, he says, all of the spiritual disciplines, of all of the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into this perpetual communion with the Father. Wouldn't that be beautiful? A perpetual communion with the Father. Just consider what that looks like in your life. And this practice of regular prayer and worship, uh, growing one's relationship with God, we see this in the life of Jesus and we also see it in the early church. Uh, so as followers of Jesus, as students, as imitators, uh, as disciples of Jesus and, and looking to the early church as an example, I think we really need to take notice you know, in his life and ministry, and his adult life, we see Jesus as a praying man. He was a man intimately connected with his father. And there's multiple examples of this. In Mark 1, uh, 35, Jesus had just had a really long day of ministry. And then in Mark 1, 35, it says this. It says, very early in the morning, so the next day, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place or an alone place where he prayed. And then his disciples came for him and they were looking for him and they asked, you know, where are you? Why aren't you with the people? And then Jesus says, well, we need to move to the next town because that is why I've come. I've come to preach the good news. And Jesus could have just, you know, kind of set up, you know, nice ministry kind of, you know, thing going on there. But no, he had come to preach the gospel and he moved to the next town. So from this result of prayer, Jesus kept moving. And verse 38 says, that is why I have come. Or in Luke 6, 12, he prayed all night to uh, decide who was going to be in his inner circle of followers. In verse 12, it says, On one of those days, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. And if you go through the Gospel of Luke, you'll actually find eight different times where Jesus was connected to his Father in prayer. It was part of his rhythm, uh, part of his practice. It was a really important part of how he lived. Or in Mark 6, uh, 46, after feeding the 5,000 and also mourning the loss of John the Baptist, verse 46 says, after leaving them, he went to a mountainside to pray. Uh, Jesus needed time to process. He needed time out to uh, be renewed with his father. Uh, with the pressures and the demands of all the people, he needed this time to be filled by God to live in the way that he was called. So constant communication with the Father, it was part of Jesus' rhythm. It was part of his practices. And we can see that one of his connection points is in nature. And Mike Breen says this, he says, prayer was as fundamental an element in the life of Jesus as breathing. So just consider your breathing for a moment. He inhaled his Father's presence so he could exhale his Father's will. Now that's just wonderful imagery. 
Uh, you know, to think about that. You know, he says, let me say it again. Prayer was as fundamental an element in the life of Jesus as breathing. He inhaled his father's presence so he could exhale his father's will. So let me ask you, what is your rhythm of prayer? What does being connected with God in your everyday life look like? What does it mean for you to be in this deep, connected relationship with God? How do you connect regularly with Jesus? And how are you growing in obedience, listening to his voice, and then doing the things that he asks you to do? Because if we're going to be renewed people who step into the mission of God, it starts by being a people of prayer. It starts by being intimately connected with God and listening and attending to his voice first. And then we see the early church stepping into the mission of God and we see them stepping into the mission of God and having this foundation of prayer and worship. So let's turn to Acts 2 if you've got your Bibles. Let's explore this some more. Uh, in Acts 2, uh, we uh, see uh, the Pentecost festival. And uh, what's interesting is the Pentecost festival uh, happens about 50 days after the Passover. So if you remember back 50 days earlier, Jesus was having the Last Supper uh, with his, uh, with his uh, disciples. And then 50, so 50 days forward and on from that is the Pentecost festival. Now, the Pentecost festival, uh, we know it in, in kind of contemporary Christian you know, kind of world as the Spirit of God coming down and we celebrate uh, the Holy Spirit. But actually, for the first century Jews, it was an agricultural festival. Uh, that's what they actually, uh, actually gathered for. They gathered uh, around agriculture and, uh, and what they did was they brought their first portion of wheat and they offered it to God as a sign of gratitude and then they asked God to bless the rest of the crop. So that's why the people were gathered originally. And so the first century Jew, Pentecost was a time of remembering God's faithfulness in their lives because he had blessed them in the past. It was a time to tell stories of God's faithfulness and to encourage one another. That was a really important part of it. And then it was also a time where they brought their first fruits of their labor, literally their first fruits of their labor. And they renewed themselves to God and they said, God, please bless this so we can live for you moving forward. Uh, so that's why the people were gathered. And in Acts 2, uh, we kind of bounce up against this. And what happens is Peter addresses the crowd and he preaches this really powerful sermon about Jesus. And in verse 37, says this, says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, What shall we do? And in verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That, that includes us. For all whom the Lord our God will call. And in verse 41, those who accepted this message and were baptized, and there was about 3,000 people that were added to their community that day. That's a huge day. We, you can just hear that and just you know, rolls off the tongue. But consider 3,000 baptisms at Clovey. Like, please, Lord, that'd be amazing. Huge day of ministry for uh, Peter and for the other uh, apostles. The Holy Spirit has come down on to this community. And then what happens next is quite interesting. And I think what happens next 
uh, speaks to us about what it means to be renewed and what it means to step into the mission of God. So verses 42 to 47 says this, they, so this is the the 3,000 plus community of faith, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this passage is a wonderful passage in showing us what a renewed people actually look like. And what are some of the practices that sit under being a people of prayer and worship that actually can help us step into the mission of God? And we have four here that I want to just kind of pull out from this text. And, and these four are teaching, fellowship, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. I want to kind of dig into these a little bit more. The first practice of this gospel community is teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In Greek, this is translated to constantly. In verse 40, 42, they were constantly in, in, into, the, into the teaching of God. So they were devoted constantly into the things of God. They wanted to know what God's opinion was, first and foremost. And they just didn't talk about it. They actually lived with obedience. More than that, it was like a rapid obedience. When God spoke to them, they acted And and such an example for us. They sold property and they gave to the needy. And it reflected Jesus' priorities on the poor and the marginalized. They took Jesus' words both literally and seriously. A great challenge for us today. And they met in the temple courts. And this uh, would have been for teaching amongst uh, other things. And they made it a priority. And I wonder as we begin 2023... How can you be encouraged and challenged to make being in God's house and engaging in the teaching that he has for us a priority in your life? It might be that it's just time to reset some rhythms, some times to say no to some other things, to say yes to being in God's house each week and saying, do you know what? It's just going to be what we do. And you make that call because you're prioritising the teaching and being in God's house and being shaped by his words. The second practice is fellowship. Fellowship. This new community spent time together. In verse 46, they're in the temple courts every day and also in their homes. It actually appears that they enjoyed each other's company. Isn't that a good thing? I trust that, you know, Clovey, we enjoy one another's company. <laughs> that we actually enjoy being together under the lordship of Christ. I hope that that's the case. I hope it's not a chore to be part of God's family. But actually, you get along. You make it work. You look for, you know, kind of common areas of of relationship and and you actually want to be together. And they had this unity. They had this unity in how they lived. And one description of fellowship is the common life of those who believed. And this uh, common life is the thing that actually holds us together. It's being under the lordship of Christ. It's having Jesus as the head. And as Paul talks about in Ephesians, seeking for unity and maturity so we can live in the fullness of God. And that just doesn't happen, right? You know that from your own family. 
You know that you've got to keep working at these things. You've got to keep knowing, oh, what are the things that we just sort of let that one go, grace abounds, and what are the things, I think we need to talk about it and kind of work our way through that. And this community of faith, uh, they had this practice of fellowship. They enjoyed time together. And this year, uh, we are asking everyone who calls Clovey to be in a group. Now, we live in this hyper-individualized world, and a risk would be that you think that you can be formed in your faith alone. But that's not the case. It's not what we learn uh, from Scripture or from the early church. And we're asking everyone who calls Clovey home to be in a group. And we don't mind what that group is like. It could be a life group. It could be a prayer group. Uh, it could be a group where you read the Bible. But we want you to do faith together in supported and accountable relationships. We want there to be some rub, maybe some pushback even of things that maybe you just take for granted or think are true because you've just, maybe they just existed in your head for long enough you think it's happening. But actually be in some good, robust Christian fellowship and relationship so that we can be renewed and so we can hold up the mirror and we can also live into and step into God's mission no matter what the age or the stage that we're in. So we want to invite you to join a group. We also want to wonder if you would host a group. So you just go to clovey.com.au forward slash groups, or you just take a photo of that QR code, uh, and uh, you can explore that a little bit more. But we invite you in to deeper fellowship, because to be renewed is to step into the mission of God. That's not an individual pursuit. That, that, that's not the way it is. To actually step in in community in that way is so uh, very important. The third practice here that we see in an effective gospel community is the Lord's Supper. They remembered Jesus. They brought Jesus front and center uh, into their rhythms and into their practices. Uh, really important. They broke bread and they gave thanks with sincere hearts. And this practice was central to who they were as a people. And uh, it's important to us today. We'll be sharing communion together as we finish off our time together today. The bread and the juice reminds us of Jesus' great act of sacrifice on the cross for us, that through his death and his resurrection, we have life. That is the centerpiece of our faith. And the fourth practice is a practice of prayer. They would have prayed in the temple courts, prayed in each other's homes, and in verse 47, it says, they praised God. Prayer and worship was a foundation stone to their existence as a young church. They spent time in communication, developing a deep relationship with the living God. It was part of their rhythm of following Jesus, part of their everyday faith. Can the same be said of us? You know, each day at 12 p.m., a little alarm goes off on a number of the staff's phone. And we gather together, whoever's in the office or wherever a staff member is, and we pray for the church. It's a rhythm. Uh, it's become a habit in our staff team. We pray for you. And we pray that God would engage us all in living an everyday faith, no matter where we are, that we would be mobilized into what God has for us, that we would be renewed, we'd step into an everyday faith. This language of everyday faith just keeps coming back to us time and time again as a staff team, and then we'd step into the mission of God. So at 12 o'clock, that happens each day. I encourage you to consider what the rhythms of your prayer life are. 
You might need a little alarm set on your phone. You might already do that. And it's just a trigger that, that, that brings you to this place of prayer. It's really important. Uh, we've been engaging uh, for the last few months and inviting the church uh, to get into the Lectio 365 app. Just a little quick survey. Who's doing the Lectio 365? Just hands up. Yeah, a few. Yeah. It is a wonderful spiritual formation exercise. Each day, you can do it in the morning, you can do it at night as well, and it leads you through a process of engaging uh, with God and just centering in first things first on Jesus before getting into the rest of your day. It is an excellent uh, tool or vehicle uh, that can help you uh, to you know, put prayer and to put God's word front and center in your life. So Lectio 365, you can, I don't even mind if you go to the app store right now, you know, you can get it. All right, normally I'd say don't be on your phones for that, but I don't mind. If you're going to get it and engage in it, get that now. Lectio 365, another vehicle for us to have habits and rhythms and practices to put first things first and to put prayer and put Bible reading right there front and center. And that's why, Clovey, we have a church-wide practice of prayer and fasting. I don't know if you've noticed, but each year since I've been here, the start of the year we pray and we fast and we seek God. We look to put things aside. We look to focus on God. And as people of faith, ask him, what's the more important that we need to know right now? What are the things of priority that you're wanting to bring into our lives personally what, maybe what's the breakthrough, what's the opportunity, and what is it that you have for us as a church? And this is a really serious time for us in our spiritual formation. It's a really, a really serious time for us as we seek God. And as your lead pastor, I put a lot of weight on the words and the themes that God speaks to us through our prayer and fasting. Because um, just prioritizing our time with the Lord. And laying some things aside and focusing in on God is just such an important part of our rhythm. So we start that tomorrow. You're invited to do that. You can get a prayer a calendar for that by going to clovey.com.au forward slash prayer. You can download one from there. Or if you're here today and you'd like a hard copy, you can grab one on the way out. But I encourage you to pray and fast over the next two weeks to seek the Lord for you and also for Clovey. And even with what I was sharing earlier about some of the challenges that we're facing, that's what we bring to the Lord and we ask for his breakthrough in that. And I encourage you to come with us on that journey. And then put Sunday, uh, February 19 at 6 p.m., put that in your diary and come so an opportunity to soak and an opportunity to spend time with the Lord, an opportunity to be together with God's people as we worship and as we pray. So teaching, fellowship, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. I don't know about you, but you know, I can't really imagine a life without these things. And the early church puts them as a priority for us as we are renewed and step into the mission of God. And what was the result for the early church? Well, in verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. They had the favor of God's people and the Lord was adding daily. Because remember I spoke last week about the Habitus and Alan Crider. He spoke about the early church believed that if they lived out the kingdom of God, the church would grow. That was their belief. That was just how they existed. And this is what we see with the early church. 
They lived in the favour of God's people and the Lord added to, their daily, added to them daily those who were being saved. We see people being saved in Clovey and, and, and it's, a, it's a real privilege and a blessing, but I can't say daily we're seeing people come to know the Lord. It is a definitely a cry of our heart that more and more people would come to know him. The church in the West is definitely declining and being marginalised. Uh, there's no doubt about that, particularly with a more militant secularism that, uh, and kind of the, and the big attack from the left, which has been happening over more recent years. And we could shy away from stepping into the mission of God, but actually then maybe we'd think it's God, that, that it's our mission and not God's mission. But actually it's God's mission. And God, through his word, says that he's renewing humanity. And he invites us to step into his mission. And we can trust him, just like he saved us, that he has people in our world that he's drawing to himself. And we can have that opportunity to share with them in that way as well. We need to encourage one another. We need to cheer one another on. But firstly, we need to pray as we step into God's mission. And as we kind of do a survey across history, and if you looked across history and you, you saw where God's spirit broke out, you would see that it was preceded with prayer, with God's people praying. And I believe in all my heart that God wants to do it again. And he wants to do it again with us. Why? Because it's his mission. It's actually his mission. And he invites us to participate in it. But he encourages us to pray. I'm really encouraged by what God is doing in North India at the moment, in the majority world. The North India used to be uh, really a graveyard for missionaries. Our very own uh, Mike Hay spent some time in North India and prayed and prayed and prayed, but it was very hard soil. And uh, in recent years, and particularly one organisation that we partner with here at Clovey that we can't use their name, over the last 20 years, they've baptised over a million people. They're planting 15 churches every week. God's spirit is being poured out in the north of India. And when you ask the leaders of this movement, why, how? They will say the secret is intimacy with Jesus. It begins as we pray. And this is what we see. And I want to encourage us to say, Lord, will you do it again? Will you do it again with us?